Thank you for joining us in our study of the book of Genesis, entitled The Origin of Reason. Now we're going to look at some things that are helping us as we move along. We see that Eve had fallen, Adam had fallen. They're going to have to bear with the consequences of their sin. Things are not looking good. And then the Lord confronts Eve with two curses. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, Because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Eve was faced with two curses. The first, we discussed in a previous study, there was going to be pain in childbirth and childrearing. The second is a bit more controversial in our day, and it really is, but it has to be discussed. And a lot of people do not like to discuss these things. It says, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Now, try discussing this with Gloria Steinem or Betty Friedan and see what you come away with. In what sense does this mean that her desire will be for her husband? What about the husband's rule? What does that mean? Some said it centers on sexual desire, and that's not what is implied here at all. Others suggest that this deals with the psychological interdependence upon the man, so much so that she's willing to submit to some tyrant who has the sensibilities of a gorilla. This would smack of codependency that leads to the crippling of the woman, and that's not good then some will still go as far as to say that she will become totally subservient to the desires of her husband. To each, there is a bit of truth, but we cannot find satisfaction in any of these conclusions. Yes, there's sexual submission, even though the woman is aware that there could be a child and the pain that comes with that. And there's a willingness and a desire that accompanies this. And in a marriage, when a man and a woman are united, there is a mutual psychological attachment that's developed. That's normal. A man can write on this subject and he can find himself to be the target of many, many irate women in our day. And I'll say that a great deal of damage has been done by the feminist movement. And I can assure you that the Lord did not have mutual independence in mind with the marriage as it was arranged. I do not advocate the concept of a man beating his chest and pulling his woman behind him by her hair as he squeals about her need to submit. Total submission, where a woman signs off her personality and mind, is unimaginable in Scripture. I am not, nor will I be, an advocate for the Christian liberated woman. That's nothing more than an acceptance of the feminist principles within the Christian world. And this is a tough subject, I know. In theological thought, the idea proposed here is the same idea as the desire sin had for Cain. It wanted to rule him. It wanted to possess him and to control him. The woman, according to this passage, has such a desire. The desire disputes the headship of the husband. And the Lord tells Cain that he should master sin. He should rule over sin and not allow it to rule over him. But the Lord tells the husband also that he is to rule over his wife. This is the introduction to the battle of the sexes. This is a consequence of the fall. And then it's never going to be an easy thing. I'm not saying that marriage is a difficult thing. It's never going to be easy, but I would like to say that this is not an I knew it moment either. A husband's job is not to teach his wife to submit, and he's not to insist on her submission. This statement is directed to Eve, not to Adam, and certainly not to both of them. Sin has corrupted the willing submission of the wife. 
Sin also corrupted the loving leadership of the husband. Sin has truly confused the relationship, and we must walk slowly, looking unto the Lord for wisdom here. The verse says that the woman will desire to control her husband, and he must master her if he can. So what's the solution? I've been told that there is to be a mutual submission between the two, and peace will be found. This is not the biblical concept at all, and I know people listening right now will fully disagree with that. The man is to love and to lead, and the wife is to respect his leadership. The answer is not to abolish the man's place in the home with the nice idea of mutual leadership. This is the Betty Friedan approach. And I'll tell you quite frankly that this concept is totally, totally foreign in our day, even within the church. Well, what will work then? This seems to be an inbuilt clash of titans when the marriage is made. The Lord must be center, and he must guide constantly, or it will be a difficult ordeal. We men tend to like to think more of the wife's role and to call her to submit. We feel like we need to govern our wives in such a way that they will submit, and we can't let them out of that. We read this curse, and we see that she's bound and determined to rule. I know what it looks like. I'm a man, I have a wife, and I have had one for a long time. If that's your focus, you're wrong. You're dead wrong. What has the Lord told you to do, husband? That's what you need to concentrate on. Woman, respect the headship of your husband. Let him lead. Let him take control. Typically, this is the biggest problem we see in a marriage, is the man will not take the position of leadership. He would rather abdicate, and if the woman will run the house, run the finances, run all the business of the home, cook the meals, wash the kids, keep the place clean, pay the bills, wow, he's fine with that. He has no responsibility. Wives, let your husbands lead. Make them lead. That's their role. But you respect your husband. Stick with scripture, and you're going to be fine. It's when you start to ignore and walk your own way in your own understanding that Genesis 3.16 begins to be fleshed out. And when that happens, that's when the war begins. So what do we do here? We trust in the Lord. We really do. We have to walk closely with him, and we have to obey what he tells us to do. Men, don't try to make your wife fulfill her part. And wives, do not try to make your husbands fulfill his part. You obey your part. Please the Lord and do what's right. Genesis 3.16 says to Eve, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now I mentioned sin standing at the door with Cain and how it desired to master him, to rule and control him. This was said in reference to a woman's desire for her man. The context here is Cain's anger at, at Abel's sacrifice being accepted and his own being rejected. In speaking to Cain, the Lord said, why are you angry and why do you look disappointed? If you do well, won't you be accepted? But if you don't do well, sin's lying outside your door, ready to attack. It wants to control you, but you must master it. This verse is parallel with Genesis 3.15. The desire uh, in Genesis 3.15 does not indicate a desire to submit. The idea of submission does not fold in with the idea of rebellion and actually stands in dark contrast. Either way, this is seen as a result of the fall in our day. On one side, total submission is not something that anybody is willing to do with a joyful heart and a longing desire. The tendency is for independence and freedom, and the attitude of Satan is, I will be like the highest, I will be like the most high. The independent attitude is 
I will rule and I will do what I think is right. And if it's not you, then myself for sure, I think that way. But Genesis 3.16 is particular in this respect. It clearly states that the woman's desire will be to rule in the relationship. And I know that this is an argument that has existed for a long time. But this indicates Adam did not have a smooth road from the point of his sin forward. His curse was coming, and we'll look at that, but needless to say, the cohesive nature of his relationship to Eve was drastically altered. A willing submission and a mutual submission was not something he could rely on any longer. There's going to be questions and alternative suggestions, and why don't you do it this way? You should turn right there. Aren't you following instructions? Let's change the radio channel. I don't want to watch that. There's going to be challenges within the marriage. The rule of love was replaced by a constant struggle. Sin is such a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's just wonderful to see what's happened as a result of the fall. There's a lot to be desired. Yeah. So what's the solution? Well, I can say what it isn't. It is not the abolition of the man's position of leadership. He is the leader by creation's design. But sin has corrupted this and things have had to change. Attitudes have to be transformed and aspirations have to be altered. Both Adam and Eve, me, my wife, you and your husband, you and your wife, we have to understand these things. If we don't, one of us will always be jockeying for position. And you know what? This doesn't contribute to a healthy marriage at all. The kids pick up on this. They learn how a marriage should be by watching mama and daddy. And they start to have struggles as well. Cain and Abel, does that remind you of anything? I'm speaking to Christians in particular here, but it applies to everybody. If Christ is not the center of all desires, things are going to be difficult. They're going to be hard enough even when love rules. Even when Christ is at the center of things, life is still difficult. Imagine going at this alone without Christ. My counsel is to submit yourself to obeying what the Bible has to say. If you find me to be off tracks here and out of bounds, then study the issue. Look at it, study it, and come to your conclusion based on biblical counsel, what the Bible has to say. Personally, I found a book entitled Love Life for Every Married Couple written by Dr. Ed Wheat to be an excellent study prior to my marriage. And we've been married now 35 years. The book's still in print, and you can still get it. Dr. Ed Wheat, he's out of Arkansas. You can find it on Amazon.com. It's an excellent book to study. For man and woman to get along as husband and wife, it's going to take the Spirit of God ruling in the heart and a willingness to obey the principles found in God's Word. God didn't just put Genesis 3.16 in there for us to read and pass on. It's something to, to consider. Something big and cataclysmic has happened in the relationship between a man and a woman, in a relationship to man and nature, in a relationship to the world. Something has happened and things have changed. Our aim must become to please Christ or we're going to be battling every day. And I say this because the practice, meaning as we attempt to live our lives with our wives or our husbands, will be imperfect. We're going to have struggles and we will have to learn. And it's better to move along learning than move along ignoring the principles altogether. What happens when you start to ignore the basic principles? If you don't take care of your car, for an example, eventually it's going to fall apart. Follow the Lord. Do what he says. And you'll see a joy in your marriage that you've never known. You'll see a joy and a satisfaction in your relationship with your wife that is surprising. 
God did not give Eve to Adam for trouble and problems. All this came as a result of sin, of disobedience to God. If we can get back to where, okay, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to see this and how do you want me to live? Then we'll start to understand the benefit and the strength of understanding the origins of reason. Thank you very much for joining us today, being with us in this study. Your participation is well appreciated, and I hope you receive something of benefit. Come back next week and be with us as we study again the origin of reason.